It's time for episode 63 of the Clockwise podcast from Relay FM, recorded Thursday, November 20th, 2014. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, a tech podcast fueled by parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and across the country from me, as always, is my other co-host, Jason Snow. It's good to talk to you, Dan. It's good to talk to you, too. To my left, I know this is difficult to picture, but to my left, it's the editor-in-chief of The Wirecutter in the Sweet Home, Jackie Chang. Hi, Jackie. Hi. Thank you for having me. Welcome. And to my left is... a. Um, guy who writes lots of things for lots of different places. He's the editor of the magazine, which is going to shut down. You might see him on The Economist, Macworld, and other places. It's Glenn Fleischman. Hello, Glenn. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, with the help of our two very special guests, we will discuss our first topic. There was a report that was floating around the last couple of days. I think it started in the Financial Times and made it to the New York Times, a few other places, that Apple will integrate the Beats Music app as part of iOS in some future release. Uh, I'm kind of interested to know what you guys think of it. I think that I know a lot of people who are going to be really ticked off that Apple is pushing yet something else onto their phone. But it also seems like they invested a lot of money into this project, so I can understand why they want to do that. Is this a good move, a bad move, a lateral move? Jackie, what are your thoughts? So I guess I always thought of this uh, this concept of Apple integrating Beats as more more like something that they're going to integrate into the iTunes app and maybe you know the streaming music and I, I still sort of feel that way even though you know the rumors are kind of all over the place so um, so I don't know you know in that sense I think that it does actually kind of make sense to integrate into iTunes and maybe even iTunes Radio you know depending on how they do it. Um, but, you know, I, I do agree with you. I, I think that, you know, people who use iOS devices are sort of, we've always been sort of annoyed that Apple forces us to keep certain apps on the phone, for example. And so that's just going to be another pain point um, for everyone to complain about <laughs> if that happens. It's going to be interesting to see. I assume that the Beats music brand is going to vanish uh, before too long, that that uh, this is just going to become part of iTunes and, and that it'll be integrated in there. I'm not sure why you would need a different app that wasn't the music app ultimately for this stuff I, that that actually seems kind of weird to me that you'd have well here's your music app which is for this you know music type a and here's your beats yeah. music app for music type b doesn't make any sense so i i hope they're integrating them this might be an interim step where they're like well we own it and uh i keep waiting to see also how they're going to integrate it with their other offerings because we also have um their annual subscription fee for which I forget what it is maybe thirty bucks that's for iTunes Match twenty five ha- I think yeah. twenty five and and it's got a bunch of different features in inside of it including not you know you got your cloud syncing and, and and access to iTunes Radio without ads and I always figured that they would kind of build that up into a service too I, that seems strange to keep separate rather than kind of connecting it to the rest of their their cloud music offerings so it'll be interesting to see. Um, see how they put it all together. Well, I think uh, I'll be unpopular, or maybe this is popular, and say that Apple's approach to music is like the Microsoft Word of their business. <laughs> that it's like, well, this feature we had, let's add this. And I mean, it's iTunes, I know, does a lot beyond music, and it's a terrible piece of software uh, now as a result. And I feel like their entire strategy related to music and iOS and discovery and so forth has been let's just keep adding things and squeezing them in, and they need to rethink. And so one 
question I would have is, is the Beats app a way for them to explore an entirely new direction without the same penalty of adding another thing into what they're already doing, confusing people, but using a brand that people have a generally positive association with who know it? And uh, not as a submarine effort, but like, let's shift it off to the side. Okay, if this is a success, we start shutting things down and integrating them into the Beats app, or they rename it, or, or what have you. But there's just too many different... We- like, I cannot... Uh, this is still the case that I can never quite remember where I'm supposed to go to do what thing. Um, when mm-hmm. iTunes 53, what version were I now? I don't know, 12, 17. That's not even just an iTunes, Glenn. You just yeah. have that trouble in That's general. Right. I don't know where I am right now, but I like I was trying to find playlists in the new iTunes, and this, you know, Twitter is full of it. It's it's. I think this is, uh, the Beats issue could be part of the overall problem Apple has with actually, like, weirdly for them, destroying their own business to make a new one. It's like, let's take it all apart, rebuild it in a way that makes sense for users. And so far, they've been unwilling to. So maybe this is a a pilot fish for a new attempt. It's not going to be another app or thing on the side or another service, but it's the shift they're going to take. And they're, they're leading with beats to see how that goes. Yeah, I, I agree with all of you that there's just there's too many different offerings right now, and it, the waters are kind of muddy because they all have different pricing structures and they all have different names. I'm still actually kind of putting my money down on an iTunes Beats brand, um, which, <laughs> but at the same time, with a paid subscription service, I don't know how that does mesh with something like iTunes Match um, or iTunes Radio. It is a lot of different ways of listening to music, and they have talked about it as sort of a continuum of options, but at the same time, it's all very uneven right now. Um, it's not doesn't make sense. Like you take that and compare it against, say, like, hey, you want to buy an iPhone? Here are like the three different types of iPhone that you can get, and there's like a gradual progression there. But it doesn't. It's not quite that smooth on the music side. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Thank you all for your thoughts, Jackie. Do you have a topic for us today? So my topic was just going to be Uber in general. <laughs> <laughs> can we just Uber. groan for the next five minutes? <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> like Seinfeld, just Uber. What's up with it? Um, <laughs> there's there's so many things to say, right? Um, I, I guess the the question, well, just you know, in case anyone has been hiding under a rock, uh, you know, Uber is under uh, facing a lot of controversy yet again, um, as as seems to be the norm now for them, uh, because of remarks made by some executives about uh, smearing journalists who they didn't like um, for saying things they didn't like. And so, you know, this is just one of, you know, a huge chain of many terrible events. And so it's not so much that this particular thing is, is you know, bigger than anything else, but I think people are f- beginning to realize that they're all, you know, all these things kind of add up and maybe we don't all like the people who are running this company. And um, I guess I'm wondering if you guys, uh, the main question for me is how many people are legitimately trying to use other services, um, which I am trying to, but I've always tried to. Um, but what about you guys? I've only used Uber a couple of times and and only in San Francisco where um, finding a, a cab is like, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what finding, seeing Bigfoot basically. Um, and it was fine because the drivers that I were was using were nice and they were friendly and it was, you know, convenient and expensive, but convenient. And so, you know, so I'm not a heavy Uber user. And, and this this basically makes me go, I'm, I'm just going to try to avoid using these guys because they seem like they seem like jerks. The, the fact that uh, it's not just that the guy said these things in a 
Can we? You're right, Jackie. There's so much here. Can we? <laughs> what? How? Are there dinners that are off the record? <laughs> That's such a bizarre concept. I mean, it's like. I, oh I, yeah. And, and so then the the one journalist is not told that it's off the record, and so you know what? Then it's not. And uh, but the idea that you would you would build a squad to to intimidate and expose journalists because they write things that you don't like about your company is so bizarre. And the fact that that, that could flourish, that kind of attitude could flourish mm-hmm. in that company says something about its culture. And this is not an isolated incident. There have been lots of things about this. And it's made it's been sort of disquieting, but I feel like it's bubbled over the top here. And maybe that's all for the best. And then we can see whether they're going to actually try to make steps to change their culture or not. Uh, prediction, not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- they're... And they're ruthless um, a business, which is good on one level, but it seems to have created this culture that's completely amoral. And uh, as long as we can get away with it, it's right. And uh, that's creepy and icky. And I, I love the fact that they're trying to disrupt a, a, an industry that deserves to be disrupted because it needs to be made more consumer friendly. But um, it, it's a little like Amazon and eBooks, where it's like if you set them up as the new kings, it's going to not be any better because they're also awful. Glenn, have we reached peak Uber? Yeah, this is funny. A few days ago, <laughs> the day before this broke, I was Matt Honan was talking about Uber on Twitter, at M-A-T, and I said, Matt, it's peak Uber. He said, I don't know. I said, look, and within 12 or 18 months, this is going to be the point at which we look back, and then the next day, mm-hmm. this all broke. I had no advanced knowledge, but I felt like the, the fundamental problem with Uber is – all they have as a business advantage is their arrogance and aggression. And I don't mean that it's, it's an objective characterization of how they act. I'm not being insulting. It's like, no, they're incredibly arrogant. They don't actually care what the law says. They're willing to pay any legal bill or fight any legal fight and even uh, mis, you know, produce misleading materials, which they've done in the past, that mischaracterize what the fight is. That's what they have. The technology they have is not that particularly interesting. It's you know GPS-based technology that links in with a bunch of – it's dispatch software. There's lots of dispatch software in the world. They happen to have written some new one that apparently has really bad internal auditing and security so that anyone in the company seemingly can access or people at a certain level can seemingly access every bit of information without any repercussions. So one could argue their software isn't that great. But what this boils down to is drivers are the ones who get put up, pushed against the wall. Taxi drivers are the, they used to be a path to middle class for many years. It's been a path that just grinds people into the ground. It's not a path upward in most cases. And so this new movement was, hey, Uber is going to help everybody. Uber is a way for riders to get a better experience, drivers to make more money. It solves a city problem. And hey, it's cool tech. And instead, it's like same tune, you know, different uh, singers, right? It's still all the drivers. Now that there's a race to the bottom, the drivers are getting ground up. So I don't know. Nobody is sympathetic to the taxi system because as Jason points out, it's terrible. I've used Uber in many cities where I would never take a taxi in San Francisco. DC is impossible. And whenever I visited those places, I only use Uber X and it's affordable and and reasonable. And I kind of love the service, but I think all the factors that let Uber enter are all collapsing in this um, because ultimately markets are efficient, excuse me, and they can't become um, they, they're reaching a point where it's so efficient, it's destroying drivers again. So there's no reason to drive Uber when you go bankrupt doing it, coupled with this, you know, be, uh, a host of behavior, more of which is going to come out. We've only heard the first stories, but are starting mm-hmm. to come out at the top. I don't, I don't think they're going to change, but I also don't think they're going to wind up. I don't think they're on the ascent at this point, even though they may continue to expand. I don't think this is their upward trajectory anymore. 
Yeah, I, I, I've used Uber a lot, um, especially when traveling, and I found it very good. I think that the service they provide, as we're saying, not may not be special, but the fact that they were willing, they did it and that it worked pretty well for the most part, I think was the biggest thing going for them. Um, but they've seemed to have undermined that all with their really, really shady business practices. So that makes it really hard to be like, well, you have to, you always struggle with finding this balance of like, well, this service works really well for me, but I don't like the way the company's being run is also kind of being like, well, I don't agree with everything the American government does, but I still sure I'm glad to live here. Um, so, and there's a lot of people I know who are in positions where this is simply the only solution for them. I was talking with Lex Friedman and he said, I can't get like, you know, it doesn't work very well in, in New Jersey, you know, where I lived. So if I want to get to the airport or something like that, but at the same time, then he went online, looked at Lyft and he's like, there's not even a Lyft car like on the map anywhere. <laughs> so, you know, my options are certainly limited but it's it's a better solution for me so at what point is it you know me shooting myself in the foot even if i don't want to put money in these people's pockets and i think the only real answer is well you know you got to start seeing either more competitors for this which is going to be tricky because again shady business practices makes it hard to compete against them um, or you want to start seeing the traditional companies sort of step up and modernize their systems and allow for similar capabilities but that is expensive and very difficult to do with an entrenched system, which also often doesn't have a lot of interest in adapting. So well, that's, that's what Curb Curb is basically what Taxi Magic used to be, and they rebranded as Curb. And the idea there is they're sort of trying to work with taxi companies to modernize the dispatch. Right. Right. Yeah, I was going to say I've been using Curb um, for the last handful of days. Um, you know, just 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 try something new, and it's actually it works really well. It's basically almost exactly the same as Uber in the experience. Um, so, you know, certainly I think that there will be more competitors, um, and and I think I saw Natasha Tiku say this on Twitter. But uh, to echo what Dan just said, I, you know, Uber does offer a good service, and if they would just realize that and just kind of cut out, like cut it out with the you know. <laughs> shenanigans yeah. like, doxing it, it, would, the- it would be okay you know things would be maybe okay um but you know i guess at this point we we're all kind of beginning to look around uber what's up with it now we know yep uh thank you jackie it's halftime we have two more topics to go and at halftime we like to tell you about our sponsor very special sponsor this week near and dear to my heart can you guess who it is he defeated the Klingons, he suffered the wrath of Khan, and he commanded the bridge of the Starship Enterprise. That's right, for his next mission, Captain Kirk wants you to be a member of his crew. William Shatner is our halftime sponsor. <gasps> he has just launched his very first Kickstarter project to create a new book called Catch Me Up, and you can be a special part of this project by going to Kickstarter now and becoming a backer. Catch Me Up seeks to empower a million people to try new things, accept new challenges, and catch up with the latest technology. Technology. William Shatner's launched this project on Kickstarter so that you, his friends, can be part of this important mission. Captain Kirk is asking you to go on a mission with him. So go to kickstarter.com, type in Catch Me Up, or go to catchmeup.com and choose from rewards like autographed copies of the book, t-shirts, even the opportunity to spend an evening with the captain himself. It's Catch Me Up, the new book by William Shatner. It's on kickstarter.com, available only there. And thank you so much to William Shatner for sponsoring Clockwise this week. How about that, Dan? Damn it, Jason, I'm a podcaster. Oh, Not a crowdfunder. 
Yeah, well, that was interesting. So, <laughs> thank you, Captain. That was great. Um, my topic, now that we move on to the second half, <laughs> the Apple Watch. Uh, developer information came out this week. Developers are pouring over it. It's uh, analyzing it, pulling fonts out of the system and installing them to analyze the font, which is called San Francisco, but it isn't the old, weird San Francisco font. Um, just lots of lots of developer talk about how they're going to build things uh third-party apps and things for the for the apple watch uh, you know they're going to do that and and when the app uh, when the watch comes out we're going to find out what what they're working on there i, I wanted to just take take a step back and talk about the bigger picture which is just we're a little bit out of the hype bubble now it's been a couple of months since the apple watch was announced and i'm just interested in taking everybody's temperature about how interested you all are in the apple watch now now that we're a couple months away from the from the the the, the hype and we've had time to think. Glenn, what do you think? Well, I'm not a watch wearer. I don't even like to have anything in my hands. So I'm actually like a really good like um, early rejector use case. And uh, I um, I am not. I don't have any insight into watches. And so I've been trying to approach it as uh, you know a tabula rasa. Like I don't know what people want in them. And um, would I wear one? I have a Fitbit, but I have the one that I put in my pocket or on my uh, the the one that sits on your pocket or you know belt loop and uh but i've been i've been looking at this the same way i looked at the ipad as i didn't really have an interest in a tablet either and when i saw the first one in 2010 i thought this is great for other people because i know people have wanted this specific thing it's amazing what it does and i wonder what the adoption will be but i'm not going to second guess apple because they seem to kind of know when to introduce certain kinds of things and it was totally remarkable and so i've owned three or four i've sold some my kids have one i've got an ipad like like the fourth release one, and I barely touch the thing except to read comics and books, and so I don't use it as a routine thing. I've got a MacBook Air, so I look at the the Apple Watch at the same way. Is will it bring me any utility I don't currently have? Will I get one to test out? Almost certainly, and will I stick with it? Um, probably not, because none of the use case for it is really that appealing to me. I'm more of the I don't want to see technology. I don't want to have a reminder. I don't want to have something tell me something. I want to actually make the conscious effort to pull it out and look. So I think I'm in the crowd that's going to be. Um, I'm not. I'm certainly convinced that there's a market for it, and that Apple's making a very interesting set of choices with how they're approaching it and integrating it in the ecosystem. But I will be most interested when the Apple Watch has basically GPS and cellular built in, and it's a replacement device. That's where I'm going to be most fascinated and might think most about getting one. Uh, maybe I'm on the other side from Glenn then. I'm I'm really interested, and I think the release of the uh, interface guidelines, design guidelines this week in the SDK make me even more interested because it seems like Apple's taking a very smart approach to this. They, they realize, well, you know, we can't, in this day and age, we can't come out with a new platform and not let developers have some access to it. So we're going to allow them to do these specific types of sort of apps that run on the phone, but have an uh, a extension that runs on the watch or actionable notifications, uh, things like that. And I think that's really smart with the possibility, it sounds like native apps coming in the next year. Um, and so looking at what all these developers are going to do with this, I think as always has become the most exciting part of new Apple products. Um, because even though it seems like Apple's baked in a lot of functionality, uh, third-party developers seem to always come up with clever solutions and things that that extend that functionality in ways that previously been unthought of. Um, 
I used a Pebble for a little while. I haven't worn it in many, many months. Uh, I have a, instead of a Fitbit, my Fitbit broke. So I've been using my iPhone sixes to track my steps. Um, and so I feel like I'm, I'm ready to, to try something that's a little more capable than a Fitbit and a little more polished than a Pebble. Uh, and I, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I did that's that. Good. I threw it in there. Um, (laughs) And and I think the Apple Watch is a, it's a cool looking device. It seems like it has a lot of capability and it's genuinely exciting because I think it's, it kind of is to a lot of the smartwatches what the iPhone was to a lot of smartphones before it came out. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I think a lot of that will depend on sort of where the pricing is and just how well it actually does all these things that it claims to. So uh, I'm still excited. I'm looking forward to it. So I, I guess I'm I'm a lot like Glenn in this way. Um, you know, I'm I don't really wear a watch, although I am interested in a watch. Um, I've been looking at watches, uh, but you know, I, I'm I'm just not into the whole smartwatch thing in general. Um, and Apple Watch, while I agree, it looks I agree with you, Dan, that it's kind of like the iPhone, you know, compared to all other crappy cell phones. Um, you know, I just don't know that that I need or want something like that in my own life. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm already trying to use my phone less. And, you know, I'm trying to stay <laughs> as far away from technology as I can um, more and more when I'm not working just because, you know, I need that separation in my life. And so, you know, having the having notifications coming in on my watch is just, you know, even the thought of it actually kind of makes me feel anxious. So, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know that that's for me. Um, and then kind of the other side of this is that, I, you know, I don't know how I feel about people using them in general, although I certainly won't tell anyone not to. Um, I I was just at a party with uh, someone who we all know, who I will not name, uh, and he had a smartwatch, um, one of the recent Android ones. And, you know, every, every like, maybe 30 seconds, uh, it was lighting up with notifications and he was looking at it every time. It was very distracting. We could barely have a real conversation. (laughs) And eventually I just like walked away. So, you know, I I guess I worry that I might become that person. And I kind of also don't really necessarily want to be talking to people who are going to be that person. So um, in in that sense, I'm also just like, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't want to be the person who's constantly looking at my wrist at, you know, Facebook notifications or, or whatever, you know. Um, so, you know, that said, I think it's cool. I just, uh, and I probably will try one, um, just to give it a chance, but I don't know if I'll stick with it either. Yeah. Having used a pebble for a year, uh, I feel like these things work best when they're, um, replacing the constant, I'm pulling my phone out of my pocket and looking at it and putting it back in my pocket kind of behavior with something that's a little more casual where like Apple, Apple seems to have, have built in features to make this possible. Like it, it, it turns on when you lift your wrist up to look at it and otherwise it stays off. And the, it's got the little tactic thing that's like giving you very, uh, quiet, feedback that like feedback only you can tell is happening that something is going on so ideally used well this is something where you're not ever pulling your phone out of your pocket you occasionally glance at your wrist and then move on and it's like super casual and like less intrusive i think in reality especially for a lot of these early products that's not going to be the case and people are going to use them badly and it's going to be like phones a multiplier of people taking out their phones and i think that's not as uh that's not as good but you know in my experience that that's what i would love out of something like the Apple Watch would be uh, something that just really tells me only what I need to know and lets me keep my watch, keep my phone in my pocket. Glenn, you get our last topic today. Woo-hoo. What is it? And will you do it in plain text or will you encrypt your topic for us? Zero one one zero XB 
dead beef. Uh, well, so the the news this week, I think, is the is the culmination of something that's been going on for a long time. Is that we are moving to uh, the to peak encryption? No, not to peak encryption. We're moving to where uh, it's possible that as a reaction to uh, unwarranted and warrantless government intrusion, as well as all the criminal attacks and even businesses snooping on our affairs um, as data passes in transit. You know, Verizon uh, rewriting HTTP headers to insert ads and AT&T and so forth. All this stuff's been going on. Well, this week, we had a really interesting pushback after, uh, you know, a couple months ago, the FBI chief was complaining about Apple and Google making phones that were actually unbreakable by law enforcement, which is cool to my mind. And uh, this week, we had two key developments. WhatsApp has added text to secure a very, very well thought out system only available currently in the Android version of WhatsApp for texting that provides essentially totally impenetrable peer-to-peer security. Uh, and then at the same in the same week, EFF announced a program that will launch next year that will let websites very easily install, obtain, and renew uh, digital certificates for their web subscription uh, uh, encryption without having to do essentially any work. It'll be click, 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 and they're going to run their own certificate authority to make this happen. So what I wonder is... Uh, folks, is are we going towards something that has been long desired by some security and privacy uh, experts and uh, uh, people who advocate for it? Are we going towards total encryption where people are going to control the end-to-end transmission of their data and not have all these gaps? Or is this a pipe dream and it's just the latest kind of sop on a, on a long trail of, oh, everyone will be able to use encryption or not? I, I think that – so. It makes sense to me that encryption has kind of been an afterthought up until this point, because when you're in sort of those early days pioneering all these technologies, it's an added extra layer. And it wasn't something that people were really thinking about when they first developed things like HTTP and, and the protocols they're in. Um, I think that the the Let's Encrypt project, which is this project from the uh, uh, that's EFF, Mozilla, Akamai, a bunch of other people are backing is is super cool because um, if you've ever tried to set up HTTPS, it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> it's really annoying. It's really hard. It's really convoluted and arcane. And even people who are pretty technically savvy sort of throw up their hands and give up if it's not something that they really you know need to enable as part of say e-commerce or something like that. Um, I think we've seen a lot of move towards encryption on the web. You know, Google and Yahoo, for example, are both doing encryption by default when you usually go onto their uh, onto the search sites, um, most you know sites like iCloud or other you know things that are, might have sensitive information that you log in use encryption. But it really should be the standard rather than the exception. Uh, and I think we're learning that. And as Glenn said, all these different things that have happened with uh, hacks, criminal attacks, and, and government intrusion, all that is making that just that much more clear to the average person. Hey, all this information that's out there about you is not being secured well. Um, so I think we're hitting a point where it's going to be very difficult to introduce new technologies that don't include some sort of robust security. The trick is going to be either figuring out how to backport that to all the existing technologies or to revise those technologies in a way that there's actually, you know, a major uh, security is a major part of it. For example, I, I was reading a little bit as I wrote an article about this Let's Encrypt thing yesterday uh, about HTTP 2.0, which is sort of the next version of the HTTP protocol. And there being a whole dispute as to whether or not, well, everyone agrees it should be encrypted, but how should it be encrypted? What technology should we use? Um, and that sort of snowballed into a thing where it's like, well, we all agree it should be encrypted by default, but we're still going to have an unencrypted 
option just in case people want to use it. So there is, uh, you know, some some momentum in going in that direction, but it's a hard thing to embrace because the people who are in charge of making these decisions as always have very different opinions about how such a thing should be implemented. Um, but I, I think it's great. I say bring on all the encryption we can use, especially if you can create do it in a way that is both secure and doesn't require a lot of extra overhead for the people using it who don't want to have to deal with, say, setting up their PGP keys or whatever. So I'm in favor of it. Um, I, I do think we're moving towards a, a world where we're going to have more and more um, encryption with all kinds of communication methods, you know, whether it's WhatsApp or just normal, you know, IM chat or, or various things like that. Um, but it will be kind of scattershot probably with all kinds of different protocols. And I, you know, my guess is also that the end users are going to remain confused about it um, in general. You know, techie people probably will know what's going on, but um, regular folks often don't really even understand how or why those things work. And I find that a lot of people don't even realize that that stuff isn't already encrypted. So in that sense, um, you know, it, it might be a little confusing to the general population, but I think, you know, we're moving in that direction and I think it's good. Yeah. And I, I don't have a lot to add other than to say that uh, the, the easier you make it for users, uh, then people will do it and they'll appreciate it. And th- that was always a problem with like PGP for email. It's like, it was just so complicated to set up that nobody was going to do it. But if you can make it seamless and you can just have it be on, I think people will appreciate it and uh, they'll use it. It ju- you just have to. We, we've reached the point now where encryption can be like that. So I think that's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that I think it's good that we're there. It's good for everybody. All right, Glenn. Thank you for your encryption talk. Dan, that's four topics. That's all we have time for today. Jackie Chen, thank you for, so much for being here. Thank you. And Glenn Fleischman, thanks for being here. One eight three zero two four five. <laughs> the crow flies at midnight. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> And that's it for this edition of Clockwise. Dan, a pleasure as always. Indeed, Jason, and it was a true delight. And we will be back next week, uh, right before Thanksgiving, to give you uh, our episode for next week. Until then, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye. We ran out of time for the bonus topic this week, but it is online. Look in the show notes or visit relay.fm slash clockwise slash 63 for a link to the B-side with the bonus question. <laughs>